Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betsperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, we get to not only handicap who is likely to win the NFC East today, but maybe the NFC overall. Uh, all apologies to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, But it does feel like win equity in in the National Football Conference really comes down to today's two teams. 25 wins between these two teams last year. I'm not sure. Not even (laughs) They both had playoff wins. Obviously won a few more than the other. Um, And look at our, look at the colors of our shirts today, Drew. Oh. I'm uh, what, the, team the, you, what team are you? What team are you gonna stump for? I mean, Andy? To, to be fair, I'm just I'm only wearing shit. I wonder how long I could go only wearing stuff that was given to me, like free shirts and hats and whatnot. Sounds like a good nobody challenge. gives you yeah. nobody gives you shorts. Like uh, you know, merch people need to get on that. I need more shorts and more shoes. But uh I'm, I'm flush on shitty t-shirts. So yeah, let's uh let's just dive right in. The cowboys, man, there's a... Uh, I'm I'm ready to get right into it, and it's another one too, where it's just like, oh yeah, like this team was super good, and this team was super good on both sides of the ball, and you know basically I don't know the only what held them back was late, you know late season injuries to the cornerback room where they lacked a little bit of depth. And then Dak throwing a just an absolute shitload of interceptions. There's some signal that okay. some of it wasn't always his fault, but still, there were so many games with like multiple interceptions. He didn't, and that's the thing. Like he was tied for the lead in interceptions, which sounds bad. And then you say, "Hey, remember when he didn't even play for five weeks, and we and we had Cooper Rush? Like he led the league in interceptions after only playing what 12, 11, 12 games, so." Kind of a kind of a rough season from that standpoint, from an otherwise pretty efficient offense. And if that goes away and their rushing attack gets better because it might just get better getting rid of the guy that was, you know, putting out under four yards of carry. Mm-hmm. And obviously the depth took a little bit of a hit with the suspension. But I yeah, I looked at this team and said, shit, it's a pretty good team. What's gonna hold this back? So let's start with talking about the coaching changes. Okay, so we can get there. Um, that's a, it's a, you, you, it's, it's a little, it's been a, it's been a rough five months for Mr. McCarthy. Um, yeah, Believe I don't know. Her. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. At what point we're going to get to the to the point where I say it out loud that I think that there, you know, that the that the the uh, sentiment has swung too far and he is now underrated because uh, I don't feel that way right now. Um, but I think it's, it's, close, it's trending. Though. It's trending. Um, I think my 2022 recollection of the Cowboys was, and, you know, the points you bring up are fair. Doesn't, doesn't feel great to lose depth with the six cornerback position. Doesn't feel great to um, be without your starting quarterback for a good portion of the season. Doesn't feel great to... Uh, have your quarterback regress from a turnover standpoint, but I think the Cowboys did everything they were asked to do last year. But the problem was they kind of were scheduled to get second in this division because their schedule was much, much tougher 
than the Eagles. And in reality, you put the two teams side by side on paper. Very similar, very similar strength rosters last year. Tough to say who's actually better. We hadn't seen Jalen Hurst put together an MVP-esque campaign uh, to that point, but it was still pretty clear that side by side, there was not a lot of space between those two teams and the Eagles had a much easier schedule. So I think there was kind of nothing the Cowboys could have done differently, I don't think, to get themselves in a better position to make a playoff run. They were going to have to do it on the road. They got an impressive win on the road. They were very knocking on the door against the Niners on the road, by the way, uh, in a game they lost by five. Um, But yeah, I mean, this Cowboys team, I think, exceeded expectations last year. I'd say from from a standpoint of what we thought you could get out of that roster, probably right on cue, like second second week of the playoffs. Yeah. Right. Getting getting a playoff win, losing the second week to a the, they they needed Niners to run out of quarterbacks a little earlier than they did. <laughs> and we'll get to that when we talk about Philly, but no, I, I think kind of spot on for what we expected out of a a team with a lot of talent on it on both sides of the ball. Some really I mean some really big stars, some big names on defense and you know, it's funny, too, of all the trials and then tribulations as well, the one that hurt them the least, uh, at least in the, you know, in the win-loss column was losing your starting quarterback, who's, yeah, for all intents and purposes, a top-10 quarterback most years. Mm-hmm. It's uh, losing him for five weeks didn't hurt nearly as bad as no. having some attrition, you know, due to some injuries in the secondary or, you know, just uh, kind of general problems keeping up with the the who's who because i don't know once we got into the playoffs i mean the win that felt right but it didn't feel like a team we were gonna expect them to take down two pretty good teams two weeks in a row and get anywhere after that so it it was tough and like you said that record wins a lot of divisions and changes you know maybe doesn't completely change a fortune but having home games matters, especially in the playoffs. And yeah, you know, it's, it was kind of a, I mean, that, it was a rough go having the Eagles ahead of you. That record wins the NFC South by four games. <laughs> like, yeah. And Oh, by the way, they might have had more than 12 wins if they had been in the NFC South. Um, the we, uh, uh, so yeah. Patrick's asking about week one, we go back a little into some of these games, but um, Tampa Bay's defense was very good. They showed up and in one, yeah. they showed up with a electric game plan. That total was, we, we had that under, yeah, that was like miles. the yeah. one, that 50. was the one, yeah. like from the whole first quarter of the season, that was the one that was like, felt good about victory lapping. Yeah. <laughs> it was like Dallas, Dallas. I mean, Tampa maybe shouldn't have scored that much. We double dipped in the second half. That was a beauty. Um, yeah. Remember from the Las Vegas airport. I remember um, the, um, yeah, it was a weird one. That what happened in that game largely. I mean, not only not only did Dak get hurt, which mattered, but uh, the um, uh, they lost starting left tackle Teron Smith not long before the season started, and they didn't have yeah. a swing tackle, and so they had to kind of figure things out on the fly. Now, ultimately, the guy they ended up having play that role for the balance of the season was excellent. 
last year. And we can get just into not it. right off the bat. Just not right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. they they uh, the 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 high pressure uh, you know blitz campaign that uh, Todd Bowles bought into brought into that that the contest mattered a lot. Uh, they were dominant. Uh, Tampa's defense was fully healthy there, which which also mattered. Um, but you're right. Cooper Rush comes in uh, and he won. He wins four out of three as a dog. Four straight. Three of those, they were underdogs. Uh, he wins, wins four straight games, three as an underdog, excuse me. Loses to Eagles, almost covers, weirdly, uh, at, at Philly. And then uh, I believe Dak was back for the Detroit game, and uh, Dak went on a nice little run. Although, yeah, as you mentioned, he had a pretty turnover-prone campaign. I think he led the league or tied with Davis Mills for interceptions. Davis Mills and Yeah. Um, but you know, it was uncharacteristically sloppy, but at the same time, like he was taking some chances, he was doing some stuff. He was being, you know, he was, uh, he definitely used his mobility, I think pretty effectively, especially down the stretch. And, uh, he got a hard fought win against Tampa Bay on the road in playoffs, which was nice feather in his cap because he really had not had the playoff success until that point. Uh, he did, however, I think lay an egg to a degree against the Niners, uh, although the Niners defense was just playing with absolute gas at that point in the season. So um, that was going to be a tough contest regardless. Two picks in that one. Uh, I think the game plan was a little suspect. Uh, they had a chance late to drive and score. Didn't really put anything spe- spe- spectacular together. The rushing attack was a non-factor in that one. Um, they got beat, but it was close. Um, so, Yeah. Uh, I think Mike McCarthy not only saved his job by winning in Tampa Bay, but uh, earned the right to be his own offensive coordinator the following year uh, as he was kind of given the keys to make those decisions. Um, The Cowboys games that I remember the most fondly besides the under week one, uh, I definitely had a nice position on them against the Giants when they were one point dogs on Monday Night Football week three. That was awesome. Uh, I went heavy on Eagles in what was a very lucky cover week six. Uh, I had, I don't remember any especially tough losses. My favorite win by far was at Minnesota, 40 to three. Not a, not a sweaty <laughs> As one. a small favorite. Uh, yeah. Really, really memorable game, largely because at that time people were like, Minnesota's only they're like 10 and one or whatever they were how how, no one respects us we're dogs at home to Dallas how could this be and you come out of that game like oh it should you should have been more of a dog than you were because you are not close to that team in terms of I mean yeah at at that point too I think we're maybe it was a little both underestimating Dallas like close game at Lambeau lost in overtime the Eagles like there's no shame in anyone losing to the Eagles especially at link and then the, the week one just trying to figure out the offensive line going up against your worst nightmare as far as a kind of a front seven mm-hmm. so they beat the Bengals they beat uh you know weird game the, weird win yeah it, it was but they, they got it done it was a home game they beat the Lions and that's not like oh you beat the Lions but they held the Lions to six points. Yeah. That's definitely worth something. The Bears game. They, I'm sure I lost an over on that one, by the way. There's no way had, I thought 30 points was coming. Yeah, they had a few. They did have a few games like that. Like we, we had those 2017 Bengal wins. But then when, when they played some of these bad teams, Whew. and I don't want to put Minnesota in the realm of bad teams, but if we're talking bad defenses, I sure shit will. 40 on Minnesota, 49 on the Bears, 54 on the Colts. I think like 
50 of those points were in the fourth quarter. So 33. 33. That was a Sunday night special. Uh, I think we had Cowboys second half in that one, and it might have been like a pick them. <laughs> and they scored 33-0. In the and then, quarter. you know, the, the, the second Eagles game was a bit of weirdness with the, you know, the players that were missing from that game. I did, still didn't see a 70-point game coming there, but. No, that was one of like, the most profitable games of the season, though, because it middled. It did middle. If you got it right at the right time. Uh, that landed I, on six. Yeah, for uh, it, for some reason, in the back of my head, I thought that landed on three, and it was like a, 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 a perfect smack dab middle, but it was not. You had to time that right, because that got out to six and a half, and then that was the inflection point, and it closed inside six. It closed at four and a half, so... Um, it didn't middle the close, uh, but it certainly middled the opener, which was, I think, around a pick em, got bet out as people realized that Hertz wasn't going to go. And then, yeah, you could, you could get like a three and a, and a six. Yeah. You, you, you got a pick and a six, I think. It was a big yeah. fat middle. That was, a, that was the Christmas Eve miracle. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, but uh, overarching, yeah. th- overarching thoughts on the season it was a good team that kind of got lost in the discussion of which teams were really good last year because we focused so much on these young quarterbacks and these upcoming teams in the AFC and just, you know, the Eagles starting eight. No, the Eagles making this run with a newer quarterback, newer coach, kind of a new regime, a new, a new dynasty to be started up there in Philly if they do things right. And obviously the, the Niners story was so fun too, with the Mr. Relevant getting plugged into that offense and mm-hmm. they still just kept trucking. Dallas was kind of a forgotten storyline, and it's crazy because that's America's team, man. That's a team yeah. that you want to. If, if you're a broadcast, you want to have Dallas games. Like you want to, you want to be talking about Dallas. And um, probably, I don't know, man. I don't know. This is like it, and you, you probably you have a top five defensive coordinator, probably. Well, yeah, that so, was the so those, yeah that was the major takeaway. The offense probably underachieved a little bit, or maybe they correctly achieved. They were tenth in EPA per play. Um, but the big story, everybody coming into the season was, well, Dallas's defense is going to regress. They were the beneficiaries of so many turnovers in 2021. What, what were your That's going to come back reg- to earth. And... Yeah, the three biggest regression, the regression narratives yeah, in preseason yeah. were the Bengals, you know, Super Bowl hangover. Mm-hmm. They won't be good again. Finally going to regress. The Dallas defense, and then... I don't know. I'm trying to think of the third big one, I guess. Uh, honestly, it was probably Kansas City's offense. Like, oh, they yeah. can't do it without Tyreek. Yeah, maybe. Like, it'll yeah. still be good because it's Andy and Patrick, but is it going to be good, good? And of course, there was some narrative around Tua being able to make the deep pass, and I remember that being shattered pretty quick. Um, the uh, No, the the Cowboys, I think you came out of this come out of the season with, well, yeah, I mean, they still didn't quite get it in terms of running back usage. Tony Pollard should have gotten the ball a lot more than he did. Um, They didn't really have any second or third options in the wide receiver position that needs to be fixed. Um, The offense in general was a little stagnant where they could use a new voice there. Um, And uh, the defense was perfect. It was awesome. They have the best player on earth who snaps up on the other side of the ball in Micah Parsons. And if they can retain Dan Quinn as their defensive coordinator, this unit is going to kick ass again next year. Well, let's go over those points. They retain Dan Quinn. Micah Parsons is still the best defensive player on earth. Wonderful. Uh, they say goodbye to Zeke Elliott. Tony Pollard, now your future 
back uh, in the uh, in the running back room. That's a positive. Uh, they got went out and got Brandon Cooks, addressed the uh, you know the wide receiver two position. Michael Gallup now a full year recovered from his ACL. Maybe he's even wide receiver two and a half, three. Um, you know, maybe we can argue about that a little bit in terms of whether that was the right move. But okay, you, you address that problem. Offense a little stagnant. Let's get a new voice in the locker room. They let Kellamore go, and they they oh. They give the keys to Mike McCarthy. And that's, I think, maybe the only aspect of reflecting on last year that gives anyone pause about the Cowboys at all. Because everything else that we just kind of laid out, they sort of systematically addressed the clear needs around the team to make themselves a little bit more dangerous than what was already a very good team last year, in my opinion, except for the offensive coordinator. And so I think... We are going to learn quickly in the first quarter of this season whether the departure of Kellen Moore is going to and the in, you know, the insertion of McCarthy based on the way that the Cowboys and the Chargers ultimately start their seasons. We'll know a little bit whether Moore was a valuable asset and whether that helps elevate the Chargers and if it hurts the Cowboys. Uh, I don't think there's anyone that's going to look at what McCarthy does from the offensive scheming and play calling standpoint with this year's offense and this personnel group and is like, wow, we really underestimated that guy. Right. But maybe they're a little sharper because Kellen Moore might not have been adding much. I mean, that's entirely plausible in my mind. Uh, and so I kind of want to zero in on McCarthy for again for a second, because this is, this is it for him. Like if he realistically, if he's not in the NFC championship game this year, I think he's probably done there. Right. Like you don't take over the offensive play calling duties and then equal around two of the playoffs and not face a little bit of scrutiny. I don't think. Uh, and so I think you need to take a step forward to retain your job if you're McCarthy. But I also think in the weakness, the weakness that exists in the NFC. And if you can, you know, kind of flip the schedule luck on your opponent's head that you could be hosting. Uh, NFC championship game this year entirely plausible so you know McCarthy to me is not a guy that I'm like dying to hire not a guy that I'm excited to see have the keys and but I can really only say that the, the key the, the the most important criticism is in-game decision making stinks so and that and that's what we saw with with you know teams that we talk about where it's like hey this isn't a bad head coach but the in-game decision-making is so negative that it drags them down because suddenly you can, Oh, that was a 10% win probability swing by doing that, that late in the game. Like that's massive when it's literally a guy making a multiple choice question and do it. It wasn't an interception. It wasn't a missed field goal. It was a person making decision for your team and making that wrong decision. Obviously we, you know, you can go back to like, probably the chargers a little bit with their OC work. And then obviously Tampa Bay, we uh, can probably discuss a little bit of that as well, but that the thing is I could have accepted this. I, I'm, I've always been on this, this bandwagon of like, there's no archetype for this is the exact kind of coach we need. Now I, we obviously know there's trends that go through the NFL and it's like, Oh, everyone's doing this. And we're all hiring this kind of guy. And, Everyone had to have a Cliff Kingsbury for a little bit. Everyone had to have a McVay, and maybe it's still not bad to have a McVay. But it's like, hey, if you have a defensive-minded head coach, you have to have Josh McDaniels and probably a good Hall of Fame quarterback. Didn't hurt either, but like you have to have that complementary piece. You know, if if you have 
you know, Kevin O'Connell, even up in Minnesota, not as, you know, you need a good defensive coordinator to go along with that. And you need someone who jives well with you, with you. And I could have been fine with the McCarthy stuff. If they'd have brought in, even if they said, this guy isn't calling plays, he's just going to be a big part of the game planning because calling the plays is important. But the work that goes in throughout the week between all of the offensive coaches is so massive. And we have just not seen Schottenheimer really be like, oh, that guy is that guy is really putting a good game plan together. And maybe, you know, maybe McCarthy was more of a driving force than we know, and we'll be sitting with egg on our face. But if they'd have brought in somebody that I, you know, respected from an, another tree of like yeah. smart game planning coaches who put together good schemes. You see, you know, we talk so much about second half adjustments, fucking first half adjustments is like coming in with the game plan that works against your opponent instead of just, Hey, this is what we do. So we're going to do it every week. You know, the biggest example of that, obviously the, the Patriots Rams Super Bowl, where they went in with a goddamn game plan and I haven't mm-hmm. seen anything work like that in the Super Bowl in quite a while. But I, I'm not I'm not confident in the, the Schottenheimer McCarthy marriage. So I'm it's it's crazy for me to say like the most confident I confidence I have in anybody here is Dan Quinn. Yeah, you know you know what you ought to have done? Go get uh Todd Munkin. Yeah. Todd Munkin has experience with these guys. Like that, that would have been a perfectly fine hire. He ends up in Baltimore. Uh, if you were going to pick somebody from the Seattle with the Seattle background, go go steal Shane Waldron. Like I know it's a lateral move, but you could give him more power, more money in Dallas than he's getting in Seattle. And you know that guy obviously has things cooking. Like there were a lot of other options they could have gone here, and I don't get why they went where they went. And ultimately, if they don't succeed this year, and I, by success I mean make it to an NFC Championship game, then I think it's clean slate season here. Because Dan Quinn almost certainly is going to get another job because his defense is outstanding. And he yeah. definitely seems to have the right vision for what is how we you know what it means to use elite pieces in today's NFL. So, um, you know, I think he's probably not long for your I mean, hack, locker room. Yeah, Hackett hack would have been better because Schottenheimer, Schottenheimer <laughs> got a little bit of he got a little bit of shine because his first year as OC. It was a really good year for that Seattle offense, but it's one of those where it's like, "Hey, Gruden, Gruden won a Super Bowl with someone else's players." Or honestly, he Barry Switzered that shit. Like Barry Switzer wasn't like he didn't put that team together. He just he just took uh, Jimmy Johnson's sloppy seconds and beat up a bunch of other teams that weren't as good as him because they had so much talent on that roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, same kind of thing. I, I don't give Schottenheimer a ton of credit for the two thousand. 99, one of those seasons where uh, we did see a pretty good offense up in Seattle. And then two years later, he's getting shit canned for, I believe there was just differences of opinion on how the offense should run. Other people thought it should be good, and he thought it should be done his way instead. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. Let me, recap, recap. Final, we spent a lot of time on the recap, but yeah, we yeah. should get to some of the changes. Real quick, final criticism on McCarthy. Second year in a row, you end the playoffs with the ball in your hand and no shot at a win against the Niners. It's kind of wild. Uh, Very famously two years ago, the game ended with a Dak spike or a kneel. 
He slid. He was a sl- it was a slide slid clock ran out. The field. You never got time. your you never got your end end zone shot. You lose by six. This one was even wilder ending because in, you know in hindsight you're like, well, San Francisco was a better team. They won. They covered. Whatever. Like you just kind of dismiss it all. Um, the Cowboys got the ball back with three minutes and a five point deficit. Like. Stop me if you've heard this one before, but um, Kyle Shanahan oh, was got good, super was conservative. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan got super conservative at the end of that game, and uh, I guess it was a seven-point game. Excuse me. Uh, Kyle Shanahan got super conservative and, and kicked a field goal to make a one-score game a one-score game with three minutes left. Dallas Cowboys get the ball back, and at that point, I don't know what in the world happened, but the offensive, like you know, offensive scheming and and uh, kind of vision of what you were trying to do. When it was like everybody was just staring at themselves. Dak incomplete to Schultz. Dak incomplete to Gallup. Dak sacked. Punt. You somehow, your defense holds on for dear life. Does not let uh, uh, the Niners run out the clock. You get the ball back again with 45 seconds left. Dak incomplete to Schultz. Dak complete to Schultz. Dak complete to Schultz. Those two passes in a row were both like, really? Like, this... This is the plan. Like we're in emergency mode. You're in your six yard line. You're doing, you're going to roll out Dak and have him, you know, bootleg past the Dalton Schultz. Like it was, it was like, I guess, so you're not serious about trying to score here, I guess. Yeah. Uh, just throw, throwing the deck chairs off at that yeah. point. It was like, well, what, this isn't going to work. No. Because you had a chance. Like you yeah. see that. And that's where, that's where the decision making makes, makes me wonder sometimes about, you know, more. And, yeah. you know, what, what we might see, because that was just, I, I think the biggest, the biggest thing, and, you know, we're not talking about a player or a coach that's on this team right now, but the biggest takeaway when I did dive into Kellen Moore a little bit was how good they were in the red zone. Sure. And I mean, if I didn't actually go back and do this, but I wanted to look at this at like, what if the chargers were like 20% better in the red zone last year? Like, just go through each game and be like, ah, I'm going to roll dice and they're going to score on these two that they didn't score on. And, you know, like what would their record be? Cause that was such a massive leak for them. So I I'm still a little hesitant on Kellen Moore because of things like you're just talking about right now, but the, the red zone stuff is just such a selling point for me. This, yeah. This was like, this was just like, a, I felt like everyone was just staring at each other and nobody knew what to do. Cause and I, I honestly you know, want to put some of this on Dak. Like, sure. Was, but like, you need to be aggressive in those spots. I don't know if it was in his head that, the, Hey, I've thrown way too many fucking interceptions this year. I can't be aggressive anymore. I don't know, man. You have like eight plays to save your season and you target Dalton Schultz six times. Like, okay. <laughs> like CD lamb didn't get targeted once down the stretch in that game after having gotten 13 targets in the game, did he get hurt or something? And I'm just misremembering. I don't think he was. I think he was out there. He was just a decoy. Why, why you, the one guy, you know, and, and honestly, and if you're going to go with the short stuff and you're going to try to, you know, play on the prevent, uh, Tony Pollard was out, right? Tony Pollard hurt his foot in that game. So you didn't have Pollard. So literally you, your only option, if you were going to try to pick on the short stuff was your tight end. I don't know, man. Um, yeah, it was a mess. It was a mess down the stretch. You played well enough to be in that game. Your defense kept you in that game. Your defense held the great Brock Purdy to 19 points. Um, all you needed to do is get to 20, and you're in the NFC Championship game. You couldn't get it done. Ah, didn't feel great about the Cowboys after that particular loss, I got to say. So, off-season grades. 
yeah oh man jesus i forgot about that um obviously and i did like a couple of the moves you know it's it's like when you talk about any of the other teams that had double digit or better wins it's like you know some of this is luxury moves at this point you don't have to do a ton obviously there were some spots they definitely saw like oh if we lose a couple corners like our secondary is kind of shit so I like you went out and got a really good corner. You got a decent wide receiver, and I don't, I don't hate the moves. I think, uh, you know, just overall, and then, you know, you had some depth at the defensive line uh, with the draft. You got a gigantic bleeping tight end. That guy's like seven foot three. Like, I, I like the additions, all things considered, what they needed. Mm hmm. Little help on the line here and there. Some depth would have been good. Yeah. Uh I don't hate their personal moves really at all. Um Gilmore was a coup. Cooks yeah. fine. Actually, I take it back. Would it have been too hard to try to make a deal to bring in a Mike Evans? Or someone who's like in a little bit of an uncomfortable situation who could potentially know, be Tam- available to Tampa- really to really upgrade your wide receiver too. Cause like what really distinguishes Philly's attack is they have AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Yeah. Well, you've got CD Lamb and Brandon Cooks, I guess. I don't know. I'm just not a Cooks guy. I feel like I, I just I don't feel like we're you're ever gonna break a game open with with Brandon Cooks. I'm sorry been on too many teams been around too long doesn't really have a game breaking speed anymore that i can see on tape um as a wide receiver too probably works he's probably productive but i really wish they had kind of gone for a bigger swing and try to bring in a piece via trade from some wide receiver who was available at a disgruntled kind of a price um yeah it was i mean it was a down year he missed a couple games but the two years prior he had thousand yard seasons for, you know. A, is it is he a complimentary piece to CD Lamb though? You know, like there's just a little too much. He's like he's like CD Lamb. Some, there's some overlap between the three. Yeah, I, I get. I, I I just I don't know why you didn't decide we need a different type of receiver to complement these guys. So we're gonna do this instead. You got CD Lamb Jr. It's kind of it's kind of a theme um, in this division, like the Giants, just uh, getting eight yeah. slot guys. Just completely yeah, like locked this. in. Yeah. Um, Stefan Gilmore, on the other hand, I thought was a really, really nice addition. I could see him having a couple of productive years here in Dallas. Um, and boy, oh boy, does that complement your defense perfectly. Uh, you didn't need much on your defense. Like, that's a group that, as I look at on paper, is only weak at the linebacker position, off linebacker, all ball linebacker position. Um, they could get into some situations where they're struggling to stop the run because, for at least, I'm not a. Uh, an LVE guy personally I think he's squarely overrated I'm not a Damon Clark guy I don't have a very high rating on him I have him below replacement level the depth is bad there as well Um, really you're just counting on Micah Parsons doing everything which is good because he can (laughs) and the, the other pieces that you put around him especially on that defensive line they're great you have really good interior pass rush uh, and uh, your secondary now is quite strong. I thought you were a little. Yeah, you have you went and got a CB one, and you already have like, and yeah, he's a bit boomer bust, but I as much shit as people have talk about. Well, I'll go look at this play for Diggs. Mm-hmm. I'll take the I'll take the boom. 
Oh, hell yeah. For sure. I'm, for some of the busts that they give up, especially considering I, I like this pass rush. I like this defense as a whole. You said yeah. maybe some coverage issues with the off ball, um, mid range coverage issues, but you know, nobody's perfect. So I haven't, I haven't rated it as like both of these, both sides of the ball. Your ceiling is well within the top 10. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like this is top five for both sides. If, uh, if things ever go right, obviously the defense has a higher ceiling. The offense would probably need Brandon cooks to really be a huge surprise. If uh, we want to take a step forward and obviously we're struggling with a little depth at the uh, running back room suddenly, but overall, uh, I don't know what Kellen Moore was. Um, this grade becomes a D if it turns out like he's the next offensive minded head coach that you let go to keep Mike McCarthy and bring in shoddy. But yeah. right now, I mean, it's a, it's a solid B plus. Cause like you said, the Gilmore deal is really, really good. Yeah. Plus handing the keys to Tony Pollard. Love it. Um, mm-hmm. the, I guess the one other thing I'll say about this roster that I want your opinion on, you kind of pointed out that they had some health issues in the secondary throughout the balance of the season. And I agree with that. They definitely did. I will say that the reps that they got with those young guys and the ability that Dan Quinn showed to kind of coach them up to above replacement level was apparent as they arced up through the, through that service time. And I think now you actually have like a surprisingly deep and good secondary, even if it doesn't like pop on paper with star power beyond, uh, you know, Diggs' ability to take the ball away. Um, like all these guys got meaningful snaps and really did quite well. Like J Ron curse. I didn't expect much from him. Malik hooker. I didn't expect much from him. Those guys were both very serviceable players at safety and, uh, free safety and, uh, strong safety. Deron bland was a strong nickelback for you. You got good service time out of Jordan Lewis. Uh, like all these kind of depth pieces in your secondary room got field time last year and yeah, guys that are going to be well, called yeah, on pretty well for like 10 to 20 snaps per game or you know relegated to specialty packages the, uh, all that, special teams right. like oh yeah specialty packages like hey we got to throw you know dime plus here and like it's great to have those guys to have a bunch of uh, you know starting reps like that's just that bolsters your depth it's painful that secondary was painful to watch late in the season when they're missing uh get brown it was uh it was something mm-hmm. but like you said getting that depth is good so let's take a look at who they play this year wait actually let me let me kind of t- time out there real quick uh we didn't even hit on one of the strengths of this roster which is their offensive line um you can think of whatever you want of how to rate deck uh, and i don't have an especially favorable rating on him I will completely acknowledge that. Like some of it is an availability question mark because he tends to get weirdly hurt sometimes. Uh, some of it is just I don't see him as a guy that has an especially high ceiling, which is maybe why I'm a little hard on him. But their offensive line is a true strength. This is a top five unit. The interior offensive line is a top two unit. Skill position group I have as a top seven unit. All of this conditional on Zach Martin showing up. And to the degree that you have a disgruntled Zach Martin because you paid some other guys, because you paid some free agents, I think is something to something to watch because the offensive line you are slated to start with is very, 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 very good. Um, I don't even know who the best of the Smiths are between Tyron and Tyler. I think Tyler Smith is probably a better player. Uh, definitely more available. 
Uh, Terrence Steele was solid for you. Um, and your center is a very good player. The problem is beyond that starting five, this is the worst second and third unit offensive line situation in, in, in football. We've seen that repeatedly. Like, hey, you have top-end starters. And yeah, the, the Tyler Smith, that draft pick, that was great. Like, you, you have a really strong left side. Yeah, like you said, a good center. You've done good at picking up the right pieces, but when they're out, the depth has really been rough at times. So yeah. if it stays healthy, yeah, very, very, very good team on paper. Yeah. So no excuses. Good to look at the schedule. See what yeah. we think. Lot favored in a lot of games here, guys. This is uh high expectations. Implied nine and a half wins. You are dogs in one, two, three, four, five games. Only one of those are you a dog outside of a field goal, and that is at Buffalo week 15. So sky's the limit in terms of wins here. There's a high upside. Yeah. Soft landing to start. Bunch of games you should. Have a damn fine shot at 4-0. It gets really tough there. Two road games West Coast. Um, it's not as far, but Dallas to the West Coast still is a haul. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe a sleepover spot between the Niners and Chargers in weeks five and six. I know it's a, it's a, a longer week. You get eight days, so maybe they say we have an extra day. We'll come back to Dallas, but I don't know. We'll get something to monitor to see if they stay out on the West Coast for them. Uh, but then you get your bye after that tough stretch. You get the Rams. Obviously, the, the at Philly game is a huge swing for the season. But the stretch after that, not so bad. It's it's kind of that, that secondary stretch, you know, weeks, what, 14, 14, 15, 16, maybe even 17, if that Detroit offense is clicking. So there's a couple of, a couple of easy stretches and then a little bit tough at the end. But otherwise... A lot of advantageous spots outside of the, I believe the Chargers. Chargers have to be coming off a bye then, right? Yes. On that. So, yeah, not only do you get back-to-back on the West Coast, we get Chargers off the bye. And, God, maybe you do just stay out there because they already oh, have that. Oh, definitely you do. You try to use that eight days as a mini camp. Yeah. You try to get your guys in especially – you know, especially focused state to take on the Chargers there because they got they got the week, uh, the week before to screw off. So you might be able to get them. I could see it. Mini camp it, guys. Do it. Stay west. Um, realistically, though, there are there's one game you're expected to lose. There are six coin flips, and every other game you are a decent favorite, which is pretty cool. Like, oh, I mean, Philly at Philly at schedule. Buffalo. There's like two, two, two losses. Philly at Philly at Buffalo. Okay, so two, five, and what's left? Eleven. Yeah. Two, five, and ten. Yeah, that's pretty darn good. Ten expected to win, five coin flips, two expected to lose. I like it. Um, you're in a really, really, really good spot with this schedule, especially considering how tough some of the other. Uh, NFC schedules are, particularly in your division. Yeah, the little, um, the little difference between this is a – I mentioned it's unlucky to be a 12-5 and five team and not have a home playoff game again, but it's a 12-5 and five team that doesn't have to play a first-place schedule too. Yeah, and you have a couple of like legit 
you should beat this team going away. You should absolutely handle Washington. You should absolutely handle San Francisco. Uh, I mean, excuse me, actually handle uh, uh, Arizona and uh, Arizona and LA Rams. Uh, you know, this, if you're even in competitive games there, something's gone horribly wrong. Um, so yeah, this is, I think a very favorable schedule for you overall. Uh, a lot of prime time, decent amount of travel, fair rest advantages, disadvantages Four cold games down the stretch. Those are going to be interesting to see if uh, Dak can kind of snap what has been a, a bugaboo for him, which is playing outdoors in the winter. Um, I will certainly have those games circled for potential fade. Yeah. The fade the boys. It's um, not full golf, but it gets it, it borders on it. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, at Buffalo especially, it's concerning. <laughs> His name is Rain. <laughs> it's gonna be soft. Okay, let's look at the uh, the betting odds for this team. One of your higher teams in the NFC, and truthfully, they, it should be like this is one of the best teams in the NFC. It just happens to be in the division with the best team in the NFC 14 to one to win the Super Bowl, six to one to win their conference plus 175 to take the division minus 225 to make the playoffs plus 180 on the comeback. And the win total is juiced heavily to the over nine and a half. Basically it's a flat 10. So that's uh honestly win total maybe is a titch low considering the schedule if they yeah. stay healthy i'm well, not used to I'm minus not, 162 the over yeah i'm not uh excited about you know sitting on them sitting on that total or excuse me sitting on that win total for a long time especially at a juicy one even if i did find a 10 but oh uh, yeah i mean pretty pretty good numbers all things considered especially when you are the bridesmaids bridesmaids in the division depending on what happens with the, the niners quarterback situation what is your opinion of Micah Parsons' defensive player of the year? There's Should a it be lot. like two to one, three to one? Like, what's a fair price? Because it sure shit ain't five to one. So I'm just there. Yeah, I'm pulling this up quick, and it is it is one of those things where, and we didn't get there last year because of the. Yeah, I, he just didn't play well enough down the stretch, and what Mahomes did was absolutely worthy of it. But we're getting close to that spot where it's like the voters are saying, "What the fuck are we doing here? How have we never given this guy, you know, this this award yet?" Like, all right, Watt got one, and Bosa got one, and maybe the other Bosa's in a conversation here too. But boy, howdy, like it, it does feel like a spot where there's a bit of a narrative around it, like, hey. We, we should probably reward – if this defense is good, it's it's just such an easy narrative to write. Like, hey, we need to give we need to give this team something. Yeah. They're certainly not getting coach of the year. They're not getting offensive player of the year. There's no MVP on this team. Um, rookies, that's, t- that's a tough hang to try to get an award out of that. So it's their most likely way for voters to award this team for being good. And for sure, like, it's – yeah, and – if if he never ever drops in coverage again, like just give give him the award, I guess. So here's the question I have for you: I his production waned on paper as you went down the home stretch last year. Like I remember the game he got the scoop and score against the Bears. I think I remember thinking like it's a wrap. 
he should be like minus 800 minus a thousand whatever i don't care i guess over and he waned from there in the defense didn't really like start playing poorly they were fine they were good the cowboys kept winning the problem was the cowboys didn't win the nfc east i think that there is a very 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 strong likelihood that a cowboys nfc east title in the blind makes his candidacy his probability of winning the award like in the plus 200 range okay so i that's that's kind of what i would say if you feel like betting cowboys to win the nfc east which is right now better than a coin flip you're getting you're getting not you know it, it, i think it is a coin flip but i'm saying you're getting a price that's better than 50 50. um i almost feel like proxy betting the shit out of parsons dpoi yeah he was slowed down a little at the end of the season and yeah fanduel has plus 650 that's worth shopping because like you said it he can win it without winning the division if he has the counting Correct. stats, if he, has, if he has the narrative. But if they win the division, it, it does feel like they need some. Uh, there's also silliness like, oh, we got to reward. Well, we got to reward some. It's not going to be McCarthy, not Dak. Yeah. Not going to give yeah, it CD Lamb best. offensive, CD Lamb offensive player of the year. Okay. Uh, so I, I, this is, we can jump ahead to betting plan. Uh, fuck it. I'm betting it. I'm betting. Yeah. I'm betting biggest, biggest preseason position for me is going to be. Parsons DPOI that, that that I've already kind of gotten there. Um, but what I want to ask you then about CeeDee Lamb before moving off all the award talk around the Cowboys. Um, is it a Dak thing or was it a Kellen Moore thing? Because it never really felt like his production met the talent. And if it's a Dak thing, then that's going to happen again. If it was a Kellen Moore thing, then maybe he explodes this year. What's your read? I don't know how healthy he was either. It was right off the bat. Mini camp. He bet he was he played he was there for training camp, but he had that hamstring all summer. And then during camp, he did something to his foot. Like he he has had a bunch of injuries over the past couple of years. I think a, a full year of him at a hundred percent is what I want to see before I make judgments. But yeah, I mean he he is very, very good. He's a massive outside weapon. He's a big fucking dude too. Like I think he's fine. I want to see a full year of him healthy. And, and maybe it was just, you know, misusing him at times. And okay. also, we, we do have to remember, we had Cooper Rush for five games. <laughs> that was, uh, his style of play was different um, from Dax. And obviously, the game plan was adjusted accordingly. So, all right. And Sam, sorry, <sighs> Sam's on CD, OPOY. Hopefully, you get, hopefully, you have to, you have to sweat that a little. And he just absolutely obliterates the commanders twice. You have to, you have to cheer against the burgundy and gold a little. I, you know, what I like about the CD Lamb bet potentially is it finishes decently for him. You go up against some weak secondaries. I guess it depends if Jalen Ramsey is back and playing well on Christmas Eve against Miami. But nice, to, nice soft landing with Detroit Washington, uh, week seventeen eighteen. Um, although the Washington game's out outdoors, so who knows? Uh, and you may have the division sewed up, so maybe oh, he's not even playing. Um, the Buffalo game, that's a tough matchup for him. The Philly game is a medium tough matchup for him. Down the stretch, there's not a lot of really standout secondaries he has to face. I think CeeDee Lamb is going to have a pretty productive year, but 
Uh, I just don't know if it's a Dak issue. It doesn't really ever feel like he's been on the super, like perfectly on the same page as him. I, I can't put my finger on it. Um, I kind of hope it was. Well, the the because supporting cast, more. you know, the supporting cast and you know just the wide receiver slash receiver room in, in general has been in flux so much. There hasn't been a lot of consistency there. Okay. Um, last kind of key question about. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to shop it around. You, you've talked me into it. I, okay. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't really bet into defensive player of the year. I've okay. been into. I have a little bit on defensive rookie of the year, but. I mean, if I, I can find six, yeah. That's I, I, I really think that if the Cowboys win the East, this is a runaway. I really do. Um, and I think, I, you know, Parsons looks like – Parsons was the best defensive player in the year. Uh, best defensive player in the league last year by my grades. I, I don't think that's – anything's going to change this year. Um, Bosa was the beneficiary of being on a division-winning team and having – in decent counting stats and he played better at the end of the season. Otherwise I don't think he was the better overall campaign. Um, soft game start. To game, game real to quick. Game stuff. Yeah. Do you have anything soft start here for the Cowboys? You think their future prices get uh, aggressively shorter if they beat the, if they basically, if they take care of business in New York and New York, they take well, care of business to... in Sunday night football against the giants and then go right away against the jets. Uh, then they have two very winnable games, Arizona, New England. 4-0 start. We'll get, we'll get to this in the next podcast, but a 4-0 start probably triggers a bet for me, and it's not on the Cowboys. Oh, oh interesting. Okay. All right. All right. Here you are wearing the Cowboys blue and making, uh, you know, you're, trying you're to cool, the, cool, you don't my, have, cool my, uh, uh, the my steam. It'd be um, quicker to list. At this point, it'd be quicker to list the teams that haven't brought out cool jerseys or helmets for this year. Uh-huh. Like we are just blessed with jersey matchups this year. Yeah, it's like, good. We grew up in um, the, the area of color rush. <laughs> yeah, you brought up a good point though. We got to come up with a uh, in-game betting plan because the Cowboys are in prime time. Surprise! Yeah, no, a I, lot. A lot. We we have to understand a little more about the you know the play the play calling, the play sequencing, the overall game plan that we're going to get from Shadi and McCarthy um, to really understand what we're going to see. And uh, I think I'm, I'm fine with uh, Quinn and his secondary adjustments if the defense is having issues with anything, but I really need to know a lot more about this offense for I can put a plan together. So excited to read more about the Cowboys and watch them in the preseason little, and obviously kind of track them through that. Okay. Let me kind of think through it a little bit here. Um, Really good pass rush in a, an opponent must pass situation. Best of luck coming back. Yeah, especially with the, the addition of Gilmore. Whew. Yeah. Whew. Your, your opponent's down a touchdown late. See ya. This, is, this sucker's over. Uh, can they put away a lead with the offense and play keep away? I think so yes. The running game is improved, which you think should it will be. be. Yeah. Um, comeback mode. Can they stop the run well enough to give themselves a chance to come back? I worry. What about do you that have for run stop grades on that linebacking crew? Not not great. Yeah, I was gonna say it's middle of the pack at best. Yeah, that's the only weakness on this team. Actually, I have their bottom five for me. So comeback is concerning, for sure especially because the downfield pushing the ball downfield type of stuff. 
I guess you got you got some elite speed, got a couple options. It's going to be tough for me to talk them myself into these guys making a big old comeback. But I so I kind of feel like betting on the Cowboys as front runners and betting against them as come from behinders. There you go. Okay, I can get down with that. Okay. Um, are these guys good enough to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, for sure. Range of outcomes includes lifting the Lombardi. There's probably like four teams in the NFC that are good enough to win the Super Bowl. The are the Cowboys, the Niners, the Eagles, and then one team that we don't know about yet. Okay. okay. <laughs> like it's what, whatever, <laughs> I thought you were going to tell whatever. me you know, who. Who's the fourth? Dine and L. Yeah, the fourth, is, fourth is TBD, but there's oh, also okay. a team that takes a big step forward with the offense or something happens. Okay, so if the Cowboys are not in the final four of the NFC, failure? It's a disappointment. Yeah. Honestly, like, they should be – if they're not in a 50-50 game to make the NFC title game, Yeah, it's a bit of a disappointment. I think even if they lose their quarterback, I'm still expecting this team to make the playoffs. The wild card is so attainable in the NFC this year that, like, I honestly don't think missing the playoffs is in the range of outcomes. Am I being a little silly? I mean, it's, it's always in the range of outcomes. You could have such cluster injuries and such bad turnover luck, bad end of game luck that you could, this team could win seven games, but it would be like, a, oh man. When are, are they ever going to win a one score game? Are they ever going to be able to hold the lead late? Like the, at that point, we're really, really talking about they're one of the biggest stories in the NFL because like, how is this team this bad? But a realistic range of outcomes is probably nine to 13 kind of in that win range there. And, you know, a lot of 10, 11, 12, probably. Okay. All right. That's realistic. I think. And then yeah, just a couple of quick comments. Yes. Patrick says CD. Didn't have one reception over 40 yards last year. Sam points out he was doubled a lot. Hopefully Cooks opens that up. Um, and then Charles says, uh, speaking of preseason, you guys have anything for tomorrow? Not yet. Uh, the the board kind of lit up there when we got quarterback news. It went, it flipped favorite, but not a big win probability flip. You went from, you went from one and a half to one and a half flipped across zero because we found out that the, it's funny how like Zach Wilson sucks. He's a bad quarterback, but he's a very good quarterback um, compared to what we're going to get for a lot of these preseason yeah. games. He started a bunch of games at full speed against starting defenses. Like yeah. he should be, he should be an advantage for the first half at least. Again, compared to like Kellen Mond, and I'm excited to see DTR in the yeah. second half. I think Brown's second half and second half over are going to be my looks. Yeah, depending on pricing game state. Yeah, it's not sounding like you're getting like any defensive starters for Cleveland. Um, and then the the Jets are kind of in that same boat too. So no okay, starters. Just, yeah. No no starters whatsoever. So I'm gonna and dig in a little yeah, on the, no on the depth quarterback for Cleveland. Yeah. I'm gonna dig in a little on the depth stuff. Yeah, you're not you're not, no dobs. They're saying it's just Mond and DTR. Mond first time. half, DF, DTR second half. I'm willing to so, take DTR has got the skill set that looks like it should thrive in the preseason, honestly. So yeah, I kind of want to play Brown second half at a deficit and or over second half over. Well, I mean, also just the over. I, I'm kind of with you. Jets there. first I like half. That. I I don't mind Jets first half. It just we haven't had a price yet. Maybe it's out tonight. I'm assuming it'll be the same as the game price, if not bigger. Mm. And then, um, but second half over, I like that because it could be. 
it could be a lot of uh, scrambling around on, you know, just god awful shit plays that we're putting out there in the second <laughs> half. With the DTR was fun if you go watch some highlights. So, and then uh, the half says Jets first half Browns full game is eight to one. That's a fun prop for sure. Hmm. Well, uh, I'll, I'll talk a little more about that tomorrow. I'm, I'm sure I'll have some content up for the preseason. My and- price for Jets first half Browns full game is uh, plus six twenty five. That's my fair. So if you get one, just, that's a good bet. I did find a six twenty five on Micah Parsons just now. Oh, look at they, you! Good. They took fifty dollars. So no, oh, well. yeah. Wow. You put you start hitting buttons and then um, just, nope. Yeah. Uh, how's our uh, Texas Rangers doing tonight? They're up seven nil on oh, Diane C's. Bummer. I don't think I'm, I'm guessing he's not in the game anymore. No, probably not. Um, well, let's hope that both and hold on to that lead. Um, all right, man. Texas, feeling it. All right, stars shine bright. Oh, R.I.P. Pee Wee. That's that song makes me think of that when he's in Texas and he yells from the phone booth. All right, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and talk Eagles. Mm-hmm. 